Hello, and welcome to the Sudbury Borough Council Neighbourhood Watch podcast. Um, I'm your host, Jonathan Hicks, and today we're going to be discussing local matters, government funding, and the goings-on at number 14. Joining me today are Councillors Paul Boag, Councillor Andrew Clark, and Councillor Marcus Lillington. Hello, everybody. Hello, hello chaps. Hello, hello John. Jonathan. Sorry, Are we supposed Jonathan. to keep that up? Are we supposed to keep that up for the entire show? You know, we could just follow that through, yes. couldn't we, and actually make the entire show about number fourteen. You have no authority. <laughs> yes. The, the the problem is I get confused. I listen to a lot of podcasts and I have two podcasts. And I've been listening to this podcast by a guy called Mike Wozniak. Who uh, is currently on Taskmaster, if you're watching Taskmaster. Oh, yeah, yeah. So uh, he does this podcast where he's the uh, St. Ellswick um, neighbourhood podcast. Uh, It's a fake place in Exeter. And the idea is that they've uh, run out of budget for doing printing. So the whole thing's being put out as a podcast. It's very funny. Um, but that's just kind of stuck in my head now when I think of podcasts. So that's, that's hence the introduction. Anyway, hello everybody and welcome and lovely to see you back here. Uh, this one will be more slick and professional, we promise. Yes, we're, we're, we're apologising for Andy's hum already. Yes, yeah, so I do apologise so- <laughs> for, uh, for my appalling hum last, uh, last episode. Um, I've taken care of my um, my personal my, my re- professional recording hygiene this time. The uh, mm-hmm. the hard Good. drive is is off, so hopefully, um, and and he won't be humming like he normally does. Absolutely, exactly. My- <laughs> My problem is that that was very much a Hollywood promise. You know, in, in action movies where they say, I'll come back to you, darling. You know, where they can't make that promise at all. They've no idea whether they're going to die horribly in the next 30 seconds. And I think John making the promise that we will be professional in this one is a promise that can't be kept in my humble But opinion. it does make us Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> but it is a little bit like on telly when somebody says... Oh, I've never been in a plane crash. And you just know that 15 minutes later, that's exactly what's going to happen. Yeah, or casualty when someone oh, at that. the start go, goes up a ladder in the front of the house. You think, well, you know. O- opens the knife drawer and it's like, oh. Yes. <laughs> and, and I think we, we now have the perfect analogy for this show, a train crash and casualty. <laughs> there you go. There we go. So, now, we did actually have something planned uh, as a topic to talk about this time. Um, you remember last time we talked about travel, basically, and uh, mm. we were swapping ideas about RVing in America. Um, but we actually have a, a hot topic. That's, scorching. Um, a scor- <laughs> yes, a real scorcher. That we kind of feel that if we leave it till another episode, it's, the times will have gone. And not that we are intending to be topical. But we do intend to be that, you know, the the four retired web designers uh, in rocking chairs in the nursing home idea in the way that they would talk about the news of the day. So, yes, we are actually going to cover uh, something topical. Paul, do you want to start this one? Because why? Because you're the most keen to do it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that you just had it. 
Don't worry. No, no, it's fine. It's fine. You've, no, you've had your chance. Fine. You've had your chance. <laughs> right. So the news this week basically is that uh, now is it fried or freed? I've always said freed. Jason freed. Jason freed from Basecamp um, has uh, joined Coinbase in announcing that their company is having a strict policy of not discussing politics mm. at work. Mm. So uh, this is uh, the, sorry, the second company to have done this, and I think I've read about the third one. I can't remember who it was that was joining them. But the idea bas- basically being that yeah, over company uh, message boards, um, presumably in person as well, um, any discussion of politics is not allowed. This is something to be kept for outside of the work life. Yeah. So um, I know I have strong opinions on this. And I'm guessing that the other three do too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, let's take the first angle, which is um, a company can basically, essentially, uh, come up with any kind of um, company policy that they like. Mm-hmm. Then it's up to them and it's up to people uh, joining whether they want to agree with that policy uh, and work under it. Mm-hmm. So is anyone here on the side of, of base camp that the, they're perfectly within their rights to have done this. Paul's yes. got his hand in the air. Go for it then, mate. Mm. Well, I, I would suggest that, um, to create a good and healthy company culture that you need a place that is inclusive. And in my view, inclusivity isn't just about having diversity in gender, diversity in race, diversity in sexual orientation, all the rest of it. A truly inclusive environment should have a diversity of opinion and perspectives. Um, But the problem that you quickly get into with certain subjects like politics and religion and and things like that is that they can quickly become very polarizing. They're things that people have extremely strong positions on. Um, And so the, the heat of those conversations quickly escalates and that can create an environment that makes certain groups of people feel excluded, feel underrepresented, feel underappreciated, especially if those groups don't hold a mainstream value within that culture. So, for example, in a, in a company like, um, you know, Basecamp, it's fair enough to presume they're probably going to be more liberal-leaning um, as a whole. I might be wrong, but that's the random guess I'm making, right? You know, um, whether or not I'm right, it doesn't really matter. It's probably leaning one way <laughs> or another. And so there is another group that, that feels less included in that. Um, so that's that's my concern. Now, the counter argument that I heard a lot of people expressing online is, well, I'm a human being and my political opinions are a part of who I am and I bring my whole self to work um, and I, you know, there's nothing I can do about that. But that isn't strictly true because we all present different personas in different environments, right? You know, I don't come into my office, you know, to the office when I did work at a company and have a little nap in the middle of the day. You know, that's part of me. That's who I am, that I have a little nap in the middle of the day. So why don't I He's do lying that? In, moment, why can't I do- he did used to have a little nap in the middle of the day. <laughs> <laughs> but, 
But also, there are there would be lots of uh, things that I don't do at work that I would do outside of work. And to be honest, I think that is the very nature of work. It is a transaction between you and employer where you're saying, I'm willing to give up certain things like my time, like where I get to uh, be, like, you know, what I'm doing in that time in return for a salary. So from from my perspective, at least, um, base camp are entirely within their rights to set those those standards. Now, everyone else who disagrees with that and uncomfortable with that, A, is in their rights to stop using base camp. And, you know, that's their choice. And B, if they work at base camp, they're within their rights to get a job elsewhere. Um, so you can, you can say, look, that's not a place that I want to work or I want to be because expressing my political views is, you know, is, is what I want, but it's not a right to express your political views within a work environment, in my opinion. Right. Okay. okay. So, so you've kind of presented both sides of the argument there, but actually, you're leaning on that. Yeah, that's your final kind of statement. Yeah. That yeah, it's perfect. The employer is perfectly within their rights to do that. So, for people who have uh, joined Basecamp before that, because obviously this is just recent. This is as yeah. of last week um, that this policy has been uh, has been brought in. So, let's say, for example, you were an employee of Basecamp. You disagreed with that. So yeah. you putting yourself in that position, you would expect yourself to find another job. Yes. Um, and I accept that that is a more complicated thing than it first comes across. And it's very easy and very flippant to be able to, to make a statement like that. And yeah, we, mm. there is a there is a social contract that occurs whenever um you know, whenever you, you, you know, take, for example, people that subscribe to my, my newsletter, right? There's, there's an unwritten contract there that basically says that every week they're going to receive uh, advice about user experience, design, digital, that kind of thing. So if I then suddenly post, uh, a, you know, a newsletter about how I love Trump and he's my best friend and I like hanging out with him and everybody else should love Trump too, mm-hmm. then then I would be breaking that social contract, even though it's not written in black and white. So so I can totally understand an employee being disgruntled about the fact that the, 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 the rules have changed on them. But to be honest, the founders of Basecamp, and I know this and, uh, from running an agency myself, is that you have to think about the health and culture of the entire company and all of the people in it, not just one or two people that are uncomfortable with the change. So by way of example, with Headscape at one point, we had to make a decision to move location, right? Um, Move our offices from one location to another. And inevitably, that was going to mean that some people were going to be closer to the office, some were going to be further away. We couldn't please everybody in that situation. And the truth is uh, that we have to evolve our, our businesses over time. And not all of those decisions are going to please everybody within the company. Now, that said, like everyone else, I'm now being very opinionated about a situation where I don't have all of the facts. I don't work at base camp. And I think that's half the problem here is people should just keep their nose out. If you're not an employee of base camp, I don't think you should wade into this one particularly. 
Personally, right, so we'll, we'll, okay. we'll just carry on with something else then. Uh, <laughs> no, just, no, that's that's the end of that fun. topic. Yeah. <laughs> I think Andy, that there's a couple of a couple of ways that you need to look at this from a, an employee's perspective and from the employer's perspective. And there are pros and cons of Basecamp's uh, founder's decision on this. And I actually also, and I know that people listening to this are going to say, well, you know, you're, you know, A, you don't work for anybody, you know, <laughs> you're technically unemployable. But also, they're also going to say, you know, you're a, you know, a white man and you don't have to, you know, live these things. So, you know, yes, okay, that's accepted. But from an, imp- but I generally come down on the side of the, the base camp founders here. From an employee's perspective, yes, there are lots of people saying, you know, I can't bring my authentic self to, you know, to, to work. But turning that on its head a little bit, if the company founders were to turn around and say, um, you know, yes, as a company, we are going to fully endorse Trumpism and therefore, you know, we're going to be, you know, promoting Trump on our internal base camp accounts. We're going to be tweeting our support for Trump. We're going to be donating money to a right wing campaign, etc. And I say Trump, it could easily be Brexit. Then from an employee's perspective, kind of who I work for. Um, that's that has an association to me, and I may actually feel incredibly uncomfortable if I worked for a company where the founders were to turn around and say, you know, we're going to fully endorse Brexit, Trump, etc. Now, f- from the founders' point of view, basically, you know, what they're saying is, you know, it's it's we're going to remain neutral on these topics. And, you know, we don't want to be distracted from our core purpose, which is to develop software. And therefore, you know, we're not going to take a stand on certain issues. We're not going to chime in on topical events, etc., unlike the four of us. And I think that that's actually a very valid opinion because... They aren't limiting um, what people do outside of outside of working hours or on other channels, even within working hours. I I would imagine. And the other thing which I think is has, has been kind of you know discussed a lot is well, what does that mean that we can say and we can't say? You know, we need to our authentic experience. Um, is obviously something that we bring to the design and the development of a product. So, you know, that's important for our users that we are a diverse, you know, organization, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, if I can't talk about, you know, my political perspective or my lived experience or whatever it might be, therefore we will produce an inferior product. Now, I've not read anywhere at all from, um, from David or Jason anything that says that if as a designer for example there was a question about um, do we include a, a drop down for personal pronouns now some people may think that that is a political conversation but in the context of actually doing a design i don't think that anybody would have any objection to a very you know heated or um 
vibrant conversation about whether a product should include personal pronouns or different gender identities or whatever it might be. Nobody said that they can't discuss those things in the context of what they actually do for a living, which is to design and develop software. And I I did see one tweet um, which I found hilarious yesterday as I was looking through the tweets that, you know, mentioned Basecamp. And somebody actually said, we've been discussing this whole Basecamp thing in the office this morning and we've got no work done. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And that kind of just sums up the whole thing. So I think that, you know, I I can see it from both sides, but I I do think that um, you know there was an awful lot of um, self righteous indignation on Twitter yesterday, um, and actually you know if the if when the when the you know the temperature lowers, um, people might actually take a more reasoned view of it. Maybe. Well, <laughs> can I bring Marcus in for this uh-huh. because? Both of you have had a, a, a good rant about this, but Marcus, what, I, I'm not seeing the same kind of nodding from you that I got from Andy uh, throughout all of that. So, are you in agreement or are you not? Uh, I'm. That's because Marcus just disagrees with me on principle, <laughs> on principle about whatever everything. it is. Yeah. Literally, just take the contrary position to Paul. You'll be <laughs> <Yeah>. safe. Um, <laughs> I, I, I'm. I am. I'm probably employ more people than anyone here. I think that's a, a fair statement, isn't it? So certainly more than I do. Um, <laughs> uh, so I can completely understand the not wanting to have stuff that happens that upsets the apple cart because when uh, you know two employees might blow up over something or whatever and it might be over something political it's it's that ain't great um for for many reasons you know for morale for productivity all of that that kind of stuff but i think uh, a shutting it all down in one fell swoop uh, and calling it a new etiquette, um, that's A. And B, a company like 37 single Signals, who've been viewed as kind of, I don't know, sort of forerunners in good in, you know, ways, ways to run your business and all this kind of thing. Mm. I think what they've done is arrogant and lazy uh, and that you should be dealing with issues that, like I just described one by one, individually. You can't, well, mm. I can't. In my view, you shouldn't be making uh, sweeping statements like this because, you know, you. I, I think you're going to be making maybe 80% of the people who work for you happy by doing that and the 20% of the other people really, really pissed off. Um, and once again, to repeat what Andy and Paul said, you're in, within your rights to do that. It's your business. Mm. But I don't think it's um, a very good way to run your business. And I think you should be more sensitive on an issue-to-issue basis. And I certainly think a company like 37 Signals, who are who are known. I mean, I can't, I can't remember who said it, but somebody said, um, you know, it's none, it's, it's none of our business. Well, it is our business because they blogged about it. Um, yeah. And... They've yeah. written books about how to yeah. run your company for years. Mm-hmm. So actually, no, I think this is crap. And I think that they should be uh, a lot more thoughtful about what they've done. 
So like a blanket approach to something that's actually quite nuanced and unique. There's not kind of one mm. political subject, for example, mm. that they are banning this for. You know, there's all sorts of different levels of, um, you know, how that politics intrudes on people's lives. Mm. So, yeah, I, exactly. I'm totally with you on that one, Marcus. Yeah, I got to say, I mean, I was the one that said it's none of our business. We should keep out of it. But you, you do make a very good point, which is the point that they, they have held themselves up as this kind of, you know, progressive company we should all aspire to, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So that does go with the level of scrutiny. And I also I do agree with what you're saying about I, I'm, I'm trying to compare it, it mentally to the Slack channel that I, I run. Mm. Um, because on that Slack channel, you've got a couple of thousand people who talk about all kinds of shit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they, um, in, in fact, it's mainly shit, yeah. to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, and without, you know, without, you know, politics does come up on a regular basis. Mm. And I toyed with how to deal with that many times. And to be fair, you're, you're right, Marcus, I've never chosen to have a blanket rule. Mm dismiss you know saying we can't talk about politics what i do is i tend to close the conversations down when they start to get a little bit heated Mm. um and i yeah you're right it probably needed a more nuanced approach see as always marcus brings the reason (laughs) to the table but what i do want to talk about is the the question that um uh, has just been popped in in our our questions which is you know and one particularly close to my heart, which is, well, what about religion, right? If we're saying politics is a, a divisive issue and that potentially it's something that you might want to discourage within your work environment, does the same apply with religious beliefs? Um, and I can only speak from my personal perspective over this one um, because I've been very upfront over the years about my, my faith and my beliefs and I was probably massively annoying at Headscape uh, when I talked about my beliefs. Um, Would you like a Bible study? Exactly, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, and, you know, and it is always, it's a very difficult balance to get in those kinds of situations um, because you, you don't when I don't think anybody is is trying to suggest that you should restrict somebody's religious freedom or their expression of their religion. So, for example, if you're a Muslim and you pray five times a day, I, I, of course, uh, uh, an employer should should allow that. But that's very different from having debates and arguments on a topic. And if your if your culture has built to a point where that is becoming a point of conflict so i think there's a difference between the expression of religion and the debate of religion i think that would be the angle that i'd take it from and also just to be really clear from what i've read religion's not mentioned in that that that's not company policy that you can't discuss or practice religion of a particular type um but i can see why that question was asked because you know, religion and politics are the two things that will cause the most, you know, uh, friction or, um, you know, heightened debate uh, mm. within people. And um, I, for me, the, the, the key thing is um, no one's uh, debating about whether it's right for a company to do this or not. You know, that's, that is up to them. Uh, one of the problems, as Marcus said, is that they are a progressive company and they are, you know, the, the fact that we have all these software companies now with price plans 
um, or you know software with price plans that that all goes back to thirty seven signals. That's their mm. they they influence so much. Um, you know, even if you don't use Basecamp or anything anymore, or you spend hundred dollars a year on the email, you know it's. Uh, <laughs> that was a very loaded way of wording that. Did you get the impression that I don't subscribe to Hey? Anyway, yeah, yeah. But yeah, the, 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 point, the point is that they are, people do look to them for, you know, for, you know, how should I be running my business in the modern day? And the key bit for me in that is that uh, certain people who, you know, white male privileged, um, who uh, are able to live a certain privileged lifestyle um, are in a position where they're able to say politics can be swept aside. You know, that's not, that's not relevant here. Whereas for a lot of people, maybe, or maybe not a minority of people, but it's still, you know, politics is life. You know, politics, you know, decides whether, you know, who you are as a person is acceptable in a lot of ways. And, uh, that's what I really sort of took issue with on this, that yes, it was a blanket problem that was a problem that they dealt with in a blanket way. Mm. Um, but that is going to pervade into all their business practices. And I'll, I've put a link in the show notes, which I'll, which we'll put out. Um, and it's from, let me get her name right from Jane Yang, who, uh, up until, well, up until I think maybe a few days ago was working with base camp. She was on medical leave and, um, during medical leave, this is all just sort of kicked up. And it's a really interesting reading her letter to the founders. Um, and one of the key bit, bits that I saw in that was the way that it took so much fight to get um, in their product policies, anti-harassment um, clauses mm. put in. Um, and the fight that she had to go through because of that. And that's that's part of it. That's the that's where the founders are saying no this is politics um and therefore we should we should not you know we should keep our nose out of this yeah it, many it, years ago i had in the footer of our website our what i called our ethical and political policy and bearing in mind that for the biggest amount of time that stuff and nonsense has been going it's been sue and i and mm. we don't always agree on everything, but, you know, we agree on lots of things, um, usually about how often I should do the ironing. Um, <laughs> but we kind of agreed on this because our politics are pretty aligned. And because it was just the two of us, we could say we will give preferential rates to um, trade unions and other workers' organisations. And we could also say in this ethical and political policy, we will not work for companies where the majority of their revenue comes from the military at any country. Mm. Don't want to support the you know industrial military complex in any way. Don't want to be a part of it. Now, that disappeared off our website when we hired our first designer. Because that opinion, you know, the opinion of the founders or whatever, and the kind of public statement that that was making about stuff and nonsense may not have been held by the employee. Now, I had a couple of choices there. I could say, 
let's have a roundtable discussion to make sure that, you know, this political policy and its contents are, you know, aligned to everybody's perspective on this. But to be honest, that to me would have been a massive distraction. And we could affect that policy in, you know, in other ways. I might just not respond to an email from, you know, the US military. Or, you know, there are other ways that we could do it. But we, as 37 Signals or Basecamp, um, have said, you know, we're not a social impact company. We're not a political company. We don't you know, our reason for existence is not to, um, you know, talk about Brexit. Mm. Um, so I don't want to cut across, but I'm going to. But what they're doing is a political statement in itself. That's the problem. They might but, not want to be, but okay. it is. But, mm. but here's, the, here's the thing with that, is that it, we all have the, the hill we're willing to die over. We all have our hobby horses, our, our pet subjects, the things that are big to us. So, you know, and, and that is always a kind of fundamental flaw with human nature is that we always get frustrated at people that don't share that same hobby horse, that same thing. So if you're really passionate about workers' rights, as Andy is, then it can prove frustrating when I'm not. But I'm really passionate in the education of girls in India. That's my hobby horse, you know, and someone else's might be gender equality here in the UK. And We all have our different things. And mm-hmm. I think that the problem comes is that at the moment there is this culture where if you don't share my value, my hobby horse, my thing, then you are a bad person. And that's where I get really frustrated about all these conversations because there's no right or wrong answer. We just need to cut each other a bit more slack for crying out loud. It just reminds me, I was just doing a quick browse while you were talking there because it reminded me of this great tweet that a guy called Mike Drucker did uh, because it, it sums it up. He's saying, Twitter is fun because you get to be like, ducks are good. And then someone in your mentions will go, um, I'm sorry, but my brother is married to a duck scientist and this is a harmful view. And then someone, someone else pops up and says, your silence about horses is telling. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which yeah. is, yeah, I, that's the thing. I, I, told, I, I know where you're coming from and all of that. Um, what, what worries me is that, that it's creating a, a, an internal uh, company atmosphere where, where you know, important issues that people face can't be discussed. You can't. Yes, sometimes it gets heated and um, and can get a bit sweary and a bit fisticuffy, but uh, doesn't always have to be that way. And you know, the fact that it's sort of being shut down completely, I don't think that's going to help anything. I don't think the right environment to to have your worldviews challenged is in the workplace. Maybe right? not. But do you, do you then do a blanket uh, policy that cuts it out completely, or do you just say, you know, let's yeah. let's monitor the time people are spent debating politics when they should be working? Fair enough. I think I, I think that the the decision 
has to lie with them and in their situation. We do not know the nuances of it, you know, and we don't know what conversations have gone on, what arguments have happened. We don't know whether there's been legal action taking place. We don't know whether Mm. um, Jason... Jason might just be at the end of his tether. We can't cope with it anymore. And he spent so much of his time dealing with this. This is the trouble is is we're all so opinionated about everybody else's opinions, what everyone else is doing when we don't have the details over it. Um, Well, of course you don't. I mean, that's, you know, that's inevitable. But that doesn't stop us talking about it, does it? (laughs) (laughs) No, it doesn't. But, and and it's fine to talk about it, but there is a difference between talking about it like we are now, which is we're talking in a hypothetical sense. We're talking about Mm. different environments and different situations and getting bloody angry at, at base camp and shouting at them and saying that they're wrong and they're evil and that they're restricting human rights. That's what I've got a problem with. Of course, people's human rights matter. Of course they do. But you don't know the nuances. We've, we've lost a society. And I'm turning into grumpy old man now, right? That's the point this of this is, exercise, fully, Paul. <laughs> yeah, I fully accept. I am now utterly out of touch with with modern society in terms of i consider myself a liberal right um in a in the in the traditional sense of what liberal values stood for which was you know freedom of expression equality all of those kinds of things right mm-hmm. yeah centrist, but the definition of yeah really dull really boring i am Ditto. but all of what that what liberal what liberalism is now today is radically different from that i think it was before the us election so we're talking about well a good few months ago now i got an email out of the blue from somebody to say um i seen your name um a quotation endorsing statamic the cms on their website And, you know, have you seen this latest post from their founder? You might find it interesting. And Mm -hmm. the the nuance, the the, the sort of subtext to this was you should be very offended by what the, you know, the the developer Mm. of of Statamic has done. And therefore, you should either A, stop using Statamic, B, ask for them to remove your quotation and endorsement for their website, and probably – probably what they were hoping for was me to tweet something that said, I'm outraged that Jack at Statamic has publicly endorsed Donald Trump and therefore I'm not going to be using Statamic anymore and neither should you. Mm. That was in the subtext. And I think, John, you Mm. got the same email. I got the same email from the same guy, yeah. Now, this is one of the issues that Paul kind of touched on. Yeah. If you don't agree with, you know, the the politics or the direction or the opinions of a product owner or company or whatever it might be, you are well within your rights not to buy or use that company. Mm. Yeah. You know, and you can quite you can quite say to yourself, you know, I'm I'm not going to uh, buy a Dyson Hoover anymore because, you know, of of their stance on Brexit. But at the end of the day, what I think is an issue here is people thinking that it's only their opinion which is the valid one and therefore kind of encouraging people to, you know, go on some kind of crusade and, and say everybody should stop using a Dyson Hoover or stop using Statamic or whatever. And I think that's so, one of the issues. 
yeah, I mean, let, let's separate what people's expectations were of that. So for you personally, Andy, when when Jack McDade came out with this post saying, you know, for these reasons, I'm going to I voted Trump. Um, did that in any way change your opinion of Statamic? No, but it may change my opinion of Jack about his political yeah. views. I thought he was an mm-hmm. idiot. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I would tell him to his face. But it didn't change my opinion of Statamic or, you know, how suitable it was for, you know, my business and my clients or anything mm. like that. Sure. Because I can separate yeah. the two things out. Mm. Yeah. Because mm. that was the thing at the time. Because I had spent, you know, however many years, I don't know, it was, you know, since 2005, I've been using text pattern and I converted to Statamic literally a month before this post came up. Um, so I was faced in that situation of, um, you know, how do, how do I sit with this? You know, do I redo all that work that I've just done converting my site to Statamic or do I just say, yeah, separate the two and uh, and carry on? So what I decided at the time was that uh, I decided not to keep using Statamic. It just didn't sit right with me. Uh, but at the same time, the other thing that didn't sit right with me was that I was getting uh, direct messages from people, not just this email that you got, Andy, but people saying, well, you're quoted on the Statamic homepage, uh, you know, praising the CMS, uh, but you're now supporting a white supremacist. So I didn't know quite how to respond to these people, and I just ignored them because basically my opinion of Statamic was still the same. I think, still think it's a great CMS. But... I couldn't, uh, on one side, I couldn't carry on using it personally. It didn't feel right for me personally to do that. But at the same time, my comments were true. I wasn't going to tell them to take that quote down simply because of something that the owner had said. Because, you know, there's more than one person working at Statamic. You know, it was the, the head guy. Um, and what was amazing was that vitriol. Um, there was this very uh, unnuanced black and white you know, you're either using Statamic and you're a white supremacist or you're not, you know. Um, and that did piss me off a great deal. I think it's worth also pointing out that Jack has done a post recently uh, where he talks about how uneducated he was and that given the chance again, he wouldn't have voted Trump. Um, and that, you know, he admits his ignorance, uh, which was good. It was nice to read, but it still didn't didn't uh, didn't help me <laughs> but yeah uh, but also that's an interesting one right i i don't feel that there's much of a culture of forgiveness as well mm-hmm. you know where l- l- let me give you an example when i i i tweeted once about how you know i think the selection of speakers at conferences should be based on on ability rather than you know whether they're the right ethnic group or male Oops. or female and stuff like that and I was blatantly wrong with that, right? And and I've come to realise that. Um, and and I I afterwards I did later on post it and go you know a long post about why I was wrong on that, right? Hmm. What interested me was some of the reaction that I had in between those two events, right? Where I was sincerely trying to understand why I was wrong, right? What I was missing. One of the things that surprised me was a lot of people, their attitude towards me was, we don't need to justify ourselves to you, which 
I can see where they're coming from. Mm. They mm. do not, mm. right? In any way, shape or form, let me be clear about that. However, when there is someone sincerely seeking to understand an alternative point of view, in my mind, there is an opportunity there to educate and help and support that. And I, I am amazingly thankful to those people who actually did that with me, referred mm. me to great reading material, talked me through the issues, answered my questions. And I've gone away with an utterly different attitude because of that. And that makes me a little bit sad. Yes, I can understand how if you're in a minority or if you're, you know, that constantly having to justify yourself, constantly having to explain to dickhead white middle-aged men must be very boring and very frustrating and very tedious. But we need a culture where we're tolerant and patient and forgiving of one another. If we're going to not create these big divides which i feel is dominant at the moment well let's take that one stage further paul and let's try and be forgiving um to those of us that have not completed andy's challenge from last month paul. <laughs> that was paul. that was sweet and smooth did everyone see that the way he sort of like wrapped up the topic wrapped up the yeah, segway that, that, that's it leave it <laughs> there and then let's go to the Paul your task was to buy and return some sanitary products did you do it? I'm a busy man Andy you know and and I have people for that kind of thing but they were busy unfortunately and I did I asked my wife to go and do it for me but she said no, it was didn't. trivial pointless you so no, didn't. I didn't no I didn't no I don't even I'm just I'm just bullshitting from beginning to end no I Marcus, did not do you that. can laugh I can't Your even remember was what... to buy and return a package of instant noodles did you do that? Um, well, Andy, if I'd remembered what my task was, then there might have been a chance that it had happened, but I forgot. <laughs> if only it was recorded in some sort of way that you could replay it and find out what it was later. Yeah. <laughs> or only if you were the person that edited Trust it Trust me, I wasn't going back and having another listen. <laughs> John, your challenge was to, mm. um, was to buy and return a portion of a miniature pork pie. Did you do it? Totally. Yeah, now then. Miniature pork pies. Uh, can I put this out here for the, the start? The ratio is completely wrong. Okay? Yes. Too much pastry. pastry the pastry, yeah, too much pastry to pork ratio is, is wrong. And also the pastry is often a bit bit soft and a bit bleh. You know, it needs to be crisp. It needs to have a good crunch. Mm. So I went to my local co-op. I bought a pack of four individual mini pork pies. I thought, well, I need to have the evidence. I need to actually be able to say, you know, I bit into this and there was a matchbox car sticking out of it or, you know, there was something wrong with a it. Cockroach. And do you know what? <laughs> I ate all four pork pies in one go. Because <laughs> actually, despite my whole kind of like um, fascism about the ratio being wrong, they were delicious. <laughs> they were crisp. Can I describe the how good mm. they were? So they had nice black pepperiness. They had a nice crispy crunch on the pastry. Um, they would. They were just the right temperature. I think they did. We'd just been put out, so they weren't too cold. You know, when you things are too cold mm. and you can't taste them. So 
to put it put it mildly, these were they were just heaven, and I just I sat there and thought, well, I can't return these now because I've eaten them all. That I was can't very prove. Mm. that was very elegant, uh, eloquent, and, and, and very elegant. well said. Mm. Yes. But he still yeah. didn't and do elegant. it, did he? Yeah. But you still <laughs> didn't do the task. <laughs> if only Paul had taken that strategy with his sanitary products. <laughs> yeah, mm. I started the task. That's that's the important thing. I started the task with the intention, and then got taken in another direction. I don't believe a okay. word of it. Okay. You know what? It is actually true. It is actually true. Rubbish. But I also, I also started the task with absolutely no intention of complaining about it. There you go. Well, let's see whether you can do better with this month's challenge. Oh no, no. we're not doing this every month. It doesn't involve dealing with individual people. So. Your challenges for this month are to apply to be on a daytime TV show. And I have allocated, and I'm going to do this myself this month, so there's going to be no excuse. I've allocated a TV show to each of you chaps, and I've posted some links in the show notes, and I'll put them out there publicly so that other people can do the same thing. Um, And I'd like you to apply or begin the application process to be on a daytime TV show. So, Marcus, your daytime TV show is BBC Bargain Hunt. I actually quite like Bargain Hunt. Uh, I do. But... but do I get out of it if I've been on the telly before? Um, no. I don't <laughs> oh, yes. know. Yes, if you've so watched right. telly in the past, no, no, can no, you no. get out of it? I've been on a television show. <laughs> I've, I've been on one, so that's fine. Yeah. That's me yeah. out of it right. as well. So, I've been on telly. John, <laughs> you've been doing some home renovations, I noticed, Ooh. recently. You've had your kitchen all refactored. Oh, and, yes. Uh, yeah, yeah. All of these things have been going on. So you're obviously in a, a decorating mood. Um, Changing Rooms, the classic 90s home decorating show, is now back on Channel 4. Um, mm-hmm. And for those people that don't remember the 1990s um, because of some, I don't know, drug-infused <laughs> coma, um, Changing Rooms was a show where you... S- swap with your neighbours you decorate a room in their house and they decorate a room in your house usually with disastrous results usually with disastrous results neighbours would fall out yeah so john i would like you to apply to be on changing rooms Mm -hmm. lawrence llewellyn bowen wasn't lawrence llewellyn bowen yeah paul you have a choice i'm going to give you a choice you can either be on the BBC on a show called Wanted, A Simple Life, <laughs> which is all about, you know, moving to the country and, you know, changing your pace of life. Or you can be on Naked Attraction. <laughs> OK, OK. Well, for a start, I'm not going to be on Naked Attraction, oh, am I? So, so really, it's not a choice at all. And also, I've just been reading the application process for um, for A Simple Life. And it says, filming will be over a four or five day period and will require you and your family to take a week off of work and school. This is not... <laughs> This is not a free holiday. Filming could be an intense experience involving long and tiring days. And although I would deeply love to do this, I worry for my family's mental health. 
<laughs> well, this is assuming, of course, that you would be accepted. Yeah. So you have to go through the application process. Okay. Just reading right. the terms and conditions is not a way out. Me, <laughs> yeah, I found the absolutely perfect program for me to go on, and I'm going to apply to be on Love Island. <laughs> <laughs> and on that bombshell, <laughs> we should leave it, and we will come back next month, God willing.